Central. This is Tech Radio. All things computers, gadgets and web happening right now in Ireland. Hear us anytime on iTunes or download from techcentral.ie. Tech Central. How you doing? This is Dusty Rhodes and welcome to Tech Radio with all the latest in tech from around Ireland and across the world. Remember, many ways of getting our show. You can download directly from our website at techcentral.ie. Use a smartphone podcast app, Apple Podcasts, of course, or turn us on every Friday on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1 Extra. This week, we have a very special extended interview show for you about online advertising. If you use any kind of online advertising as part of your business or you're just curious about how this dark and murky world works well this is a rare insight into the real world expense of it all the pitfalls the amounts of money that you could lose and the success stories from a man who has been doing this for a long time and is now helping people to avoid learning mistakes he learned the hard way from chrysalis here is jamie mccormick the founder speaking to our own editor-in-chief niall kitson I'm speaking now with Jamie McCormick, who is the founder of Chrysalis Digital Marketing Services. And um, I guess to frame our conversation, we're all very used to being sold to online through various channels, uh, whether it be banner display advertising, content marketing, um, embedded video ads. Now we're all getting very used to uh, pre-rolls as well. But um as with all tricks, some of them are getting a bit laboured. Some of them aren't as good as they used to be. Some of them probably never were very good in the first place. So, Jamie, I guess to jump straight into the conversation and to, to discuss the, the state of um, ad tech and how technology can come in and solve some of these problems that marketers are facing. Um, coming from a marketing background yourself, Mm-hmm. How did you find um, sort of the world of ad fraud, if we will? You know, how bad a problem is it? Stepping aside from the fact that people really don't like to be advertised to in what we regard as traditional now, uh, ways anyway. Yeah, so well, there's a lot of different ways. It's it's very fragmented to begin with. So, you know, people will have databases. They might have Salesforce. They might have call centers. They might have inquiry forms coming in. They have e-commerce channels. Uh, in my own background, it was video games. So we were signing people up for to sign up for an account to our platform, and then they could play games from our portfolio and monetize later on, which eventually kind of became the de facto standard for the apps business. Uh, so kind of had an early start there. Uh, now, in those kind of days, we were spending quarter of million euro a month driving you know tens and tens and tens of thousands of leads into a portfolio of games uh, and to start with we were pretty blind but you know we had a little basic tracking system that would count clicks of one or two things and uh, it had been there since day one and we used it and uh, we you know we're spending a lot of money through that um, but we we ran into the first problem, uh, which was, I suppose, the opening the Pandora's box. We'd been to Gamescom and we'd signed a contract with a supplier uh, from an ad network who took $20,000 and said that they would give us 12,500 leads. Uh, we certainly got the registrations, but we got effectively zero players, um, which for a launch of a game was fairly shocking. Now, because our contracts were a specific way, we Kind of had to bite the bullet on that, but that kind of made us investigate all of the other suppliers. Now we had about forty different suppliers. This would include Google and lots of specialist advert advertising networks and affiliate networks, and then we'd resellers around the place and direct contacts and all of them. Um, so when we when we really benchmarked and, and kind of identified the problem, we said, look, let's go back down to basics. What do we need to do? And you know, the first thing any marketer needs to do is just set up KPIs for whatever it is for your business. 
you know, for us, we'd have to get them through a registration funnel, conversion funnel. You know, that's the whole thing that everything is online. It's pouring people in. You know, and you'd have the banner design, which would attract people in. And then you'd have a landing page, which would convert people into the action. And then you'd have all the other steps. So if you're selling a CD, for instance, you know, you're sending traffic to a buy now page, you might let them listen to it. And then they go through a checkout and buy it. Uh, but in video games, uh, in free to play, it's a lot more different because you have to register them. They then have to activate their account so that they can then log into the game. So they then have to download maybe seven gigs. They then have to install that. They might have to patch up another couple hundred megs. Then they might have to go through, you know, and half the days run out. You know, if that's four hours while you're waiting for that to happen. Mm. That's, that's quite um, a high barrier to entry, really, isn't it? I mean, by the time somebody gets to that stage, you can be fairly confident that they, you know, they, they will become a, a functioning customer at that stage. Yeah, but we, we knew that we'd have like, say, 40% loss. You know, so for our downloadable games, we'd be converting from a registration into a player 45 to 60%, depending right. on the game, depending on the market. Um, obviously, the smaller the game, you know, the games that were, say, one gig as opposed to seven, uh, were kind of mid-range. The newer ones, people will kind of bite the bullet on it. Uh, and kind of the in-betweeny ones were there. But obviously, they, they varied. Like we, you know, we were bringing our marketing through the same channels, but each of these games had their own different things. So, you know, we'd have one browser game, it's kind of like Pokemon. You know, and you're going around in a Flash browser and you're collecting dudes and battling and you're putting money on, you're buying things there. We had games where you're kind of like, you know, kind of manga-style games where you're jumping around and you're flying around the place and then you've got dark fantasy MMOs where, you know, you've got this tiny little character in comparison to these giant monsters that you have roaming around with you mm. uh, we had the side scroller like I know you covered Dragonica uh, beforehand which was the little kind of golden axe style uh, MMO that I used to play on my Super Nintendo pads mm. you know and each of them as well you know would be a different size but then once they got into the game like they'd have character creation you know then you'd have your tutorial you know and we'd see you know people give about four hours of the play session you know of the people who got in and registered uh, you know you'd see some people drop out at character creation because uh, they're kind of like, mm, not for me. You've got other people who give the tutorial a go, but then they go, mm, not for me. You'd have other people give it an hour or two or three or four hours or a play session. You know, and we'd see that, you know, a, a good player would get to, say, level eight in about three hours. And then we'd expect then a big drop off then from people going from level eight to level nine. Because people say, look, I gave it a go. Not really for me. I'm going to go on and try another game there as well. Um, so and did you have a particular KPI in mind there, uh, sort of a, a little mental benchmark, uh, where where you almost had a, a graph of uh, a player's importance, really, that they would hit so many hours of gameplay when you can be fairly confident that they, they would be an attractive proposition from a, it, an advertising or revenue perspective? Like When you're operating at scale, it's completely mathematical. So as long as you're bringing in qualified traffic, so that's people who've you know, they have some interest. So, you know, that would vary, like that would severely impact in a good way uh, the conversion rates. Because if you just got someone randomly clicking a banner, like you'd expect to convert one or 2% of them into a registration. You know, and say 40% of them would actually go on to log into the game. But if we had an affiliate who was running, you know, text links for us, they had like a review of our, our game and a video and some screenshots and people had read about it, you know, we'd see like 30% of people from that traffic source converting into players and they might hit like level 16 on average you know but like the thing is like, as far as our marketing was doing one thing like we were paying for the the point of i, I always kind of go try and bring it back to if you're ever in kind of like ayanapa or ibiza and you're roaming around the town and there's reps out there and the reps are trying to bring groups of people in to venues 
you know, and they attract, they talk to certain amount of people. Some of them follow them. Some of them follow them to the door. Some of them follow in them in the door. Some of them follow them into the seats. Some of them get, you know, one round in and then move on somewhere else. And then other ones stay there for the day. And then other ones make it their local for the two weeks that they're there. Mm. You know, so that's the parallel that we've got in games in kind of completely non-digital terms. You know, so when we have lots of different traffic sources, you know, each of them is bringing traffic from its own point of view. And within that, there can be a lot hidden in the mist. So, you know, we ran into cases where there was basically like internet cafes that were setting up trash mail accounts and, you know, churning through registration forms to activate accounts because that's what we were paying the networks for. You know, we were paying for a registration and the networks were giving us a registration, but what we were relying on was that re- registration to go on to the next step. So, um, you know, when we did the big audit, we found, you know, some networks, there was wholesale problems Like we recovered up to 50 grand from individual networks by saying, look, we're looking at our contracts. We're looking at what you've given us. They don't match up. We're not paying you. Um, and with other ones, you know, there may be networks that the network was fine. There was just a lot of uh, there's usually a small amount of people who are causing most of the problem. Mm-hmm. So when you took them out. You know, you weren't spending money on them. You could cancel quite a lot of that if it was kind of in the, the contract terms. They can have a rolling window that you can challenge it. Uh, so we got that back. And, you know, what we were able to do is, like, say, bring what we were spending, say, 20 grand a month with one particular affiliate network uh, down to 12 and still maintain the same numbers. But then on top of that, we had how our maths worked because, you know, we're bringing down the amount of new users coming in who aren't doing what we want them to do or are trying to game our system. And everyone else was going through as normal. So, you know, there's a big hit over a month or two to our metrics. But in the end, you know, we had a lower marketing spend. We had fewer people coming through, of which more of them were converting. And when we calculated our current month sales and our current month spend, that doubled. You know, and it just allowed us to constantly feed back in and move around the information there. Uh, and that is uh, still very much an obsession with marketers, isn't it? The the, the idea of the the cost per thousand, or or looking at the raw figures that are coming in instead of the uh, conversions that are happening at the at the end. Well, there's no two people I've met in my career who are trained the same way when it comes to data. Mm-hmm. There isn't. You know, and for a company, you need to have your own data set. You know, we were able to find a lot of problems because we could reconcile on our metrics against what our suppliers were telling us. You know, we had them matched up to 99.5%, you know, give or take a, a few hours of delay in their stats and what we were seeing. But then we found big discrepancies there, you know, especially, you know, when it comes to advertising, like, you know, if you're, if you're a marketing manager and you have a, I'm not you know, there is some agencies out there that still do, Excel-based reports or PowerPoint-based reports, like this, you know, and they're very easy to fudge. Um, also, in, you know, if there's outsourcing going on, like you, you, you've many different people kind of feeding off that. You know, if I'm paying two euro fifty to a network, they're taking twenty or thirty percent for giving me the opportunity to give that to their publishers, and their publishers are taking eighty percent. Now, in some cases, especially when you kind of got industrialized fraud going on, you have, um, you know, they then have lots of little sub affiliates that are feeding into them and doing the work for them as well. So, you know, most marketing managers are working in Excel. You know, that's where your data is. That's where you can manipulate it. Um, But 
you have to go into 50 or 60 different systems to get the different fragments of reports from them and try and match it up there, you know, and that basically drowns people, you know, mm-hmm. so that's why I took the approach with Chrysalis that we're just going to have, look, this is one relay that we run everything through and then we can match that against everything else, match it against everything internally and then, you know, go from there. I think um, that that really is the marketer's bane at the moment, really. It, it is sort of uh, being able to demonstrate conversions, but being able to do so in a transparent way that, you know, you don't need to fudge the numbers that you can say, look, we, we put in X amount. This is this is what we got. And we know exactly mm-hmm. the process that led to this. And like, you know, and sometimes that's a reality check that, look, this is horrible. You know, that's what we had. You know, but it's what you do with that then and say, okay, well, what is actually horrible? It's like there's a small proportion of the problem that's causing, you know, it's the Pareto principle, you know, 80-20. You know, 20% of your publishers are eating up or causing 80% of your problematic traffic. All you need to do is be able to know which ones to switch off, stop them. And then the rest of the money will naturally then flow to the rest of the other ones there as well. You know, so it's working, it's working very iteratively. Like we always worked in six week cycles that we'd do some changes, we'd analyze, we'd recover, then we'd report, then we'd tweak and we go again, you know, and we'd say, okay, well, you know, we have a new campaign that started. We've got 15 different publishers sending us traffic, you know, but there's one particular one that's sending us loads really quickly and they're all registering, but we're not seeing any players, you know. So if we spot that on day one, we can say, look, no, thank you. That's not what we're looking for. Switch them off. And instead of them, you know, eating up 40% of the budget by the time it's gone, you can switch them off and say, look, there's something wrong here. And then you actually get that money back and you can put it back in. So, you know, being able to have the data, you have to be able to have a way to communicate it with your supplier to get what you want. You know, and that could be an internal team. Like we had six or seven people in the marketing team. So we had like, there's a French marketing manager, there's myself, so looking after English. We had a German, we had a Polish marketing manager, a Turkish marketing manager, an affiliate marketing manager, an Italian marketing manager, and a Google marketing manager. So the six different people, sorry, eight different people who each had their own suppliers for their own portfolio of games, you know. So obviously, even in that circumstance, when we had the same metrics for everybody and everyone was reading off the same reports, you know, we launched a game called Allods Online, which was kind of World of Warcraft style game based on a Russian uh, game series that had kind of like these big galleons in space that you go around and shoot off, which was kind of its USP. And we had launched in English, French and German markets there first. And then we were launching in the Polish market about a year and a half later. And because the Polish marketing manager had the data going back to before we launched the previous game, he could go in and say, great, well, that worked in France, that worked in Germany, that worked in England, built out his uh, marketing plan and strategy because he was looking at them saying, okay, well, they've got good traffic and polling that I can use. And, you know, his campaign did about four times better than our one would have a year and a half before. So you got the benefit of that. You know, we'd spend all that money then, but even a year and a half later, he could go back to those learnings and use it to inform him that day. You know, that's that's kind of the, the, the principle that I kind of instilled in my team, which was, you know, the data's there in front of you. It's ugly, it's raw, but the thing is, that's where you find the detail. And in splitting that uh, expertise out then, uh, how have you found um, that level of analysis or, or Chrysalis as a, as a product that it has become now? Um, how, do, how have you found it working across sectors? Do the same principles apply? Uh, yes. So we've worked with companies where they were in, in, say, the transport sector and they were taking quotes for like point-to-point buses. 
and then they were following them up with a call center to take a booking over the phone for somebody to buy it, to rent a coach for a day. It worked there fine because we can say, okay, well, we're spending here. We're, we're not getting responses here. Um, or our SEO is actually strong enough that we don't need to advertise there anymore on that particular keyword. Mm-hmm. So that works. In, it's kind of like feeding leads into a sales team. Uh, we worked with the Bitcoin exchange. So that's kind of one of our big validations for it. So they had, uh, it, it, it's similar to an MMO, but different, obviously. So they were registering people. Then they had to go through verification, maybe AML or KYC stuff, you know, the same as if you'd be setting up like a bank account. Uh, and then after that, then they'd be trading and then they'd have, you know, are they depositing different things and are they taking different things off? Uh, and then are they trading on us? How much are they putting on? How many, you know, and our system, you know, it's you group KPIs into whatever matters to you, but it's always going to be like the 110 meter hurdles. You know, you've got the ones that are near to you, but, you know, that's obviously where you're driving things in. Uh, but you've got all the other steps there. And at the end is monetization. Now, if it's e-commerce and you're selling the CD, you know, the checkout, it's do they get through the checkout? Yes or no? You know, in, you know, any sort of SaaS product where there's a free trial or anything like that that leads on to a subscription, it's the exact same as an MMO. You know, because you're feeding people in, you're getting them exposed to something, and then you're going to convert some of them to a credit card. And then they're going to build up revenues. You know, and they might stay for six months. You know, and that's the exact same as games for us. Like we knew with certain games, we would convert 12% of our players into buying users who would spend 60 or 80 euro across a six month period. You know, as long as, as long as the quality was maintained, you know, even if the volume wasn't, as long as the quality was maintained there, that, that was mathematically proven, you know. And just to, to touch upon, touch upon um, Bitcoin there that, that you alluded to, um, the, what was your experience uh, working with Bitcoin like? Because uh, you're, you were sort of growing, growing up alongside Bitcoin, um, having worked in games for so long. Uh, well, it's more like, so obviously our games were virtual currencies and there was virtual currencies in video games around a long time. Uh, before uh, Bitcoin came around, which was, what, 2008, 2009. So, obviously, the jump from one to the other wasn't. The difference is, you know, when we were receiving virtual currency, like, it was the same as somebody topping up their mobile phone. Yeah. You know, they come in, they top up, they can top up through SMS, they can go to a little terminal and get, like, a Ucash voucher, they can take their credit card, they can do PayPal, whatever. Um, you know, that was that. Bitcoin's, it's a weird thing, like, it's 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 many things to many people. Um but how we use it was obviously the, you know, games, it's a very technically literate audience. Bitcoin is even more so. Um, there's a lot of Bitcoin advertising networks that are popping up that are accepting, you know, people deposit one Bitcoin, and that's currently worth 1,400 euro right now. Wow. Like, it's, there's a big, big, big rally going on in terms of the price. Um, and that's in the last three months, it's gone up 40%. So, but it'll probably crash soon as well. And then there'll be loads of people riding down the other side having a laugh <laughs> or a panic. Um, you know, but how we were using it was, you know, obviously with our agency, we were working with some Bitcoin clients and they were doing advertising for their, for their different events or their different products or services. And, you know, we'd have to buy Bitcoin to put on the network so that we can run the ads. And, you know, we ran into all sorts of shenanigans there as well. Um, you know, there was some of it was really obvious, you know, the same person clicking ads repeatedly. Yeah. You know, you have bots that it's very programmatic. You know, we'd see the same bot going through 15 different publishers, clicking the ads in sequence, you know, to get them showing, mm. you know, 
and it also if you understand how the, the maths of banners work like you know it all starts with an impression you know you you have to serve thousands of impressions to a thousand different people to get three or four of them to click but the way ad servers are set up it, there's a little rule where it's called frequency capping so you would only show an ad to the same ip x amount of times every 24 hours okay yeah so why would it be that when you're serving two ads they're being clicked half the time every time you know so that's you know obviously that infers something there and when you know that that's a problem you can go back to the network and say they're not human yeah yeah it's the same for us when we look at you know either there's a lot of very bored data center operators who are clicking on some of these ads that we have you know and you know there's certain things like that and like the bot side of things is one thing like i I sent you through a link earlier on where they're saying that there's 7.2 billion lost i think that's just north america to click fraud and that's just bots clicking now in our cases you know there's lots of humans causing fraud as well you know they're being forced through they're you know either you know it's whether they know they're doing it or not um, well the, there is the the stereotypical you know dark dark room where there's a bunch of people staring at computer screens just with a mouse all day and all they do is click yeah that's it it's it's not quite the same um you know but like uh, humans you'll see different patterns and also they you know the information that goes through you can detect you know a bot is missing some of the information that you'd expect a human to be using if they're using a browser on their phone or their desktop or their tablet which is the only way they can really interact with the internet so um but yeah so again like that's kind of why we boil down to just having our own data set and we built uh the the platform itself has been up and running for two and a half years um it's held up. Uh, it's been running well. We've been able to use the data to help recover funds for some of our test clients that we've had last year. Um, and uh, yeah, like uh, as I said, like the ad fraud is a problem there. Um, I know there's a lot of people thinking that ad tech is going to be the solution, but you know, whatever company you're in, you need to have your own data set, and that's really what we're giving people is their own instance where they can build out their own data set and match up exactly their metrics, whatever they are no matter how ridiculous they are or how detailed they are or how small or few they are, you know, it could be six things, it could be 16, it could be 50. Um, you know, once you can start seeing the data flow through and you can see, right, well, this keyword is bringing in people who are hitting level 17, you know, and level 14 is the level where people start pulling their wallet out because that's when it gets a bit tough on the game uh, by design. Um, you know, that's... Uh, you know, obviously, we built a platform there. Now, the service we're launching is a, a fraud recovery service. So, um, I did about fifty or sixty times in my career before this in my previous life. Uh, but basically, we're letting people who are running ads uh, run it through the system. If we find fraud, we can help them show where the problem is, and uh, we basically can help work them through the process of getting their money back or a credit or a rebate or, you know, whatever way they get it back onto their account or back into their bank account. And uh, we just take a small charge based on that. Okay. Uh, unfortunately, we have to leave it there, Jamie. Mm-hmm. I, I think we could go for another half hour just just talking about the the uh, the issue of ad tech and, uh, and accuracy. But uh, we, we have to leave it there. So thanks a lot for joining us on the podcast today. That's uh, Jamie McCormick from Chrysalis Advertising Fraud Recovery. And that was Niall Kitson talking to Chrysalis founder Jamie McCormick. Just before we go this week, uh, one more thing. The one story that we really want to get in on the podcast, and of course uh, we didn't have the time for it, we're checking out HTC's Vive wireless VR headsets. 
You know we love our VR. You can get more on that and, of course, all of the Irish tech news with hourly updates, daily newsletters and more from techcentral.ie as well as our weekly tech show online at every Friday at 6pm on DAB Digital Radio with RTE Radio 1X. Until next week, from myself, Dusty Rhodes and from Niall, thank you very much for listening. Have a great weekend. Get Tech Radio. Subscribe for free with iTunes or download on demand at techcentral.ie. Tech Radio is produced by digitalaudioproductions.com. Tech Central.